A lot of the stuff, again, is on the website uh, that you can navigate to through the main website. Uh, so I'll say there's a 90% chance next week the announcement list will be a little bit shorter. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for being the amazing God that you are, the God of the impossible, the God that can do anything, Lord. We will not put any bounds upon you. Lord, I ask that you would speak mightily and boldly through Afshin, that you would have your way in him, that you would guide his words, and that you would speak directly to our hearts. Lord, it's in Jesus' powerful, precious name I pray. Amen. Okay. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good? Well, Happy New Year. Everyone had a good Christmas. Good New Year. And uh, it was wonderful for me because, you know, Texas won their bowl game and the Aggies and Sooners lost theirs. So it's always good when that happens, right? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. That was horrible. Of course, they both beat us in the real season. I know, I know. The regular season. But hey, it was a, a great New Year. I hope you enjoyed the New Year. Um, I'm going to just kind of uh, be selfish and, and take uh, this opportunity with all these men to lift up uh, a, a huge prayer concern that's on my heart. And so if you don't mind uh, doing this with me, my, one of my best friends, uh, Danny, and really Travis, you just kind of, wherever you are, reminded me of it. But um, uh, one of my good friends, Danny Giffen, he's in Birmingham. He just had a little boy. Uh, and basically, long story short, um, Britain is his name. Britain was born uh, emergency C-section because the placenta detached, which is called an abruption. If you, I'm not a doctor, but anyways, if you know anything about that, and so uh, they had an emergency C-section, put him on the ventilator. Long story short, they don't know if there's going to be brain damage or any other kind of major uh, organ damage for this child. And so I talked to him last night, and he's just uh, devastated. They've gone through two. Uh, miscarriages and stuff, and so anyways, uh, why don't we pray for him? Can we do that real quick? Uh, and then and then we're going to jump into this. So just uh, bow your heads with me, and um, let's just pray, uh, and you guys just agree with me as we lift up Britain. Lord, we just come to you now, and Father, we just lift up this boy in Birmingham. We just lift up Britain right now this morning, and God, we just pray that today would be an incredible uh, day, Lord, of, of healing in his life. And Lord, that you would um, have your hand on his, on his brain, on all the other organs. And God, I pray that they would all, uh, Lord, that they'd be healed if there's any, any damage, that you would uh, just develop them, Lord. Um, and that we just pray for a healthy boy, but we trust you, we lift him up to you, God. And we put him in your hands, and we just pray for Danny and Emily, just that you comfort them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you for that. Uh, all right, so we're, we are on to the most important, the best part of, uh, I believe, this entire deal, uh, because we're going to talk about the good news. And we're really coming out of Christmas, it's, it's uh, fitting to start with this, and this is kind of the foundation of everything uh, we believe, and uh, you're going to go into much more detail on, on men's issues uh, after me, but um, this is probably one that is foundation for all of us, and so... Um, let me grab my handy clicker here. All right, so here we go. The good news for the um, uh, good news solution for the heart wound. And let me just say this: um, uh, the the guy who did this book, Robert Lewis, he um, actually, if you see in your t- deal, he's got two perspectives. The first thing he starts with is my story, 
uh, well, this is not my story, this is his story, and I actually watched the video and heard him talk, so I know a little bit about his story. We're going to fill in the blanks, and then I'm going to share a little bit of my story. Uh, but um, basically, he, the reason he says two perspectives is he says that his perspective is from a uh, non-religious, very secular background, okay? And then the uh, religious perspective is the second one we're, we're going to look at, which probably would fit more with, with uh, mine. But let's just fill in these blanks real quick. Uh, when he talked about my story, he said, I didn't know much, but I knew I was lost. You can fill that in. I didn't know much, but I knew I was lost. You might relate to Robert on this. Basically, what he said is this, that he was a, uh, had heard of Christ, and basically he knew Christian things, but only around holidays. You know, it was, it was basically, he, he told a story about one Christmas where uh, they had to look all over the house to find a Bible to be able to read the Christmas story uh, at the Christmas tree, and the mom really insisted, the dad didn't even show up. So a very secular home, and this may be uh, something like what you grew up in. And so uh, he, he, he didn't knew much, know much, but he said that he knew that there was something off. Again, we talked about this the last two times I've been with you, that every one of us, we know that there's something off on the inside, that we call that the heart wound, that, that there is a, something in us that we do the things that we don't want to do. And we know that, uh, that, that we, we are not honoring, I believe every one of us has some kind of this, this um, well, the Bible says really that God uh, reveals himself to all creation through, through his creation. And so everyone has this sense of there's something wrong. Uh, and so that's exactly how he described it. Then the second thing he said is, I didn't have much faith, but what I had, I put in Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to share his whole story, but basically at college, someone came and asked, him, do you need Jesus? And man, he said when he prayed the prayer to receive Christ, he didn't understand everything. He didn't know all the theologies, but he just knew he needed Jesus. He needed a Savior. And so uh, that's the starting point. And really, that's all you need for faith. You need to know that you, you need a Savior. You can't do it on your own. And then the third thing he said is, I didn't change much at first outwardly, but something profound did change inwardly which I think is awesome. It's not that we have to fix ourselves up and then come to Christ. You come to Christ with all your baggage, all your hurt, all your sin, and, and it's not like overnight everything changes, right? A guy who's got a cussing problem, a drinking problem, whatever you want to put on there, when they come to Christ, uh, it may not be an overnight deal, right? But that God, as, as the change happens on the inside, the Spirit takes over and, and you start to walk with Christ it's interesting, then when you start to sin or you start to dishonor God, something on the inside, and that's the Spirit of Christ, kind of groans in you. And you don't like doing it. And you don't want to do it. And uh, really, um, you, you, you have this want, this desire to please God. All right? And so that's kind of the change he talked about. And he, he used a big word, I'll go ahead and give this to you. J.I. Packer has this quote about regeneration. Regeneration is the big theological word. And look at what this quote says. Regeneration is an inner recreating of fallen human nature by the gracious action of God's Holy Spirit. Regeneration in Christ changes a person's natural disposition from lawless, godless, self-seeking, which dominates a depraved man, into one of trust, love, repentance, and loving compliance with God's law henceforth. All right? Um, and then I'm going to wait on this. On this. So basically, what, what he uh, 
what he spelled out there is he says that there's a change on the inside. I'm going to get to that later, that, that there's a birth, but that a change must happen, and we'll get to that later. Well, that's his story, okay? He came from a very non-religious, if you will, secular background. Well, that's not my story at all, and I know I, I've kind of shared, I, I didn't, I guess, plan ahead and didn't think that I was supposed to share my story on this one. I kind of gave you all some of my story the last two times I was with you, but this is the section where I, I get to t- share my personal story with you, okay? So uh, I don't know how many of you have heard my testimony. Raise your hand if you have. Okay, a lot of you have. Some of you haven't. So I, I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, my perspective and how I came to understand my fallen nature, okay? Uh, basically, I was born here in Houston, but when I was two years old, my family moved to Iran. And we were in Iran in the late 70s when the Islamic Revolution hit the country. The Ayatollah overthrew the Shah. Basically, the fighting broke out. My father grabbed all of us, and we got out of Iran. We moved back when I was in, uh, when I was six years old. We moved back to Houston, and moved back here. Didn't speak English, and God, in His incredible providence, provided for me a Christian lady who taught me the English language every day by reading me books. Well, in the second grade, she came up to me and said, "Afshin, I've been reading you all these books, but now I'm going to hand you the most important book you'll ever get in your life." She handed me a small New Testament Bible. She said, you're not going to understand this book, but hold on to it and read it later in your life. And the incredible thing is, is the only reason I held on to that Bible is because uh, the way this lady was treating me, the Iran hostage crisis was in full effect then, all right? And basically everyone hated my family because we were from Iran, except for this one teacher. She kept loving me. She kept saying, I'm going to pour myself into this kid. And so... Since she gave me the Bible, I said, this must be important. I held on to it. Now, there's a problem. My dad is a very prominent Muslim here in Houston, and um, he's the president of the Islamic Medical Society and all kinds of other titles. And basically, so all I've ever been taught growing up is the five pillars of faith of Islam. And so as I, what I was taught as a Muslim is that I was born with a clean slate. Basically, I'm sinless at birth, and then throughout my life, there's an angel. In fact, I'm not making this up. Last night, my mom was telling me this. Uh, we had a discussion. I got to share the gospel. I'll get back to that uh, with my family last night. But my um, mom was uh, saying this, and basically that these angels record all your good and evil deeds throughout your life. That at the end of your life, you're judged by your good and evil. I'm going to get to that later at the very end of the talk, okay? But basically, so I was taught that I better be good enough for God. I better be good enough for God. Of course, this never gave me the satisfaction that I was ever approved by God. I, I never really understood the love of God. I didn't understand Jesus as more than a prophet. So my senior year in high school, I became curious about Christ, mainly because of my dissatisfaction with Islam and the impersonal nature of God in, in Islam. And so uh, through a, a guy telling me about Jesus on a basketball court, that Jesus was his, his God and not his prophet, God started this uh, curiosity uh, going even more. And then a couple of days after that, I was watching a TV show. It was a historical documentary about Jesus. And at the end, it said, some worship this Jesus as God, and they're called Christians. And I said, wait a minute, that's what that guy said. And right then, God put that Bible on my mind. If you can believe this, 10 years after I received a Bible from a teacher, I go upstairs to my room, look all over my room. I said, you know, I think I got a Bible somewhere. And I found it at the bottom of my closet, sitting there waiting for me for 10 years. Opened it up, the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. 
It starts off a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. So, well, this is it. It's about Jesus. So I began reading it. I began reading. I became fascinated with the love of Christ. Every night, reading Matthew underneath the covers with a flashlight so my dad wouldn't walk in or my parents wouldn't walk in on me and find out what I was doing. Every day at my high school, at uh, Stratford High School just down the road, this uh, annoying Christian kid would come sit next to me and debate with me. All right? I'd debate with him on the side of Islam. Uh, every night I'd go home and read more about Jesus. Okay? I was just fascinated with the guy who was loving people. And if you read the Gospels, you'll see that the people who were the outcasts of society were gravitating to him. And you see, that, that's such a different picture of, of what I saw God as in Islam. That man, God demands for me to be good enough for him, right? And so, um, two weeks after that, I was sitting at a football practice uh, when a guy came up. I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you all last time, but a guy came up and he invited me to a crusade, okay? Which I'm not making this up. That's the way he said it. Hey, you want to come to this crusade? And remember, I'm a Muslim, and you've read your history, right? So... I'm like, uh, hello, dude, I'm a Muslim. You're inviting me to a crusade? He goes, no, it's not that kind of crusade. There's free pizza, right? And I go, oh, free pizza. I love that. You know, we're going to start throwing pizza at each other, right? So anyways, that was bad. All right, so I go on September 28th of my senior year to this Coliseum and heard the gospel. And I've got to be honest, uh, I felt God telling me, this is it. This is my uh, way to save you from, from your sins. And, and, I, and I, I didn't understand, just like this guy, actually, I didn't understand everything. I just knew I needed Jesus. I just knew that in and of myself, I cannot be good enough for God ever, ever. And so I went down, and all I said to, in fact, I don't think I ever said anything to the guy down there. I just was like, the guy said, do you need Jesus? And I said, yes, sir. And he prayed with me, and I gave my life to Christ. Now, um, the, the part of my testimony that I'm not sure if I shared last time, but I'm going to share very quickly, and then we've got to get back to the, the, the story. You still with me? Yeah? Okay. I'm driving home from this crusade, and then it dawns on me. What am I going to tell my father? My dad has always been the most important person in my life. Uh, I, I love him. I've looked up to him. So I was scared what would happen, and so I'm ashamed to tell you that I hid my faith from my dad for a year and a half. I would hide my church clothes in my car on Saturday night, go change at a restaurant on Sunday morning before I went to church so my parents wouldn't figure out where I was going. I'd intercept mail from the church I was attending before my parents got to it. I'd hide my Bible. I kept this whole game going until one day my dad found out. He sat me down and he said, Son, what's going on? I said, Dad, what do you mean? He said, There's something different about you. And I said, Well, Dad, I'm a Christian. And he said, Excuse me? I said, Dad, I'm a Christian. He said, no, you're not, young man. You're a Muslim, and you'll always be a Muslim. And I said, Dad, the Bible says if I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I'm a Christian, and I do. Then my dad said, Afshin, if you're going to be a Christian, then you can no longer be my son. And right then, a choice was given to me. Are you going to run after your dad, or are you going to run after Jesus? And I want you to know this. This is when I understood what it means to follow Christ, and that there's a cost. That this is not just easy believism we're talking about. A change happens on the inside, guys, when you decide to surrender your life and follow Jesus. That doesn't mean you just believe the right things about Him. That doesn't mean that you just go to church on the holidays and you just say, yeah, I believe in this Jesus character. It means you surrender your life to Him. And there's a relationship. We're going to look at that. Okay? And so 
I didn't understand fully what that was. And at that moment, I want you to know, my flesh wanted to say, forget it, I'm a Muslim. I didn't want to lose my dad. But God in his strength, man, gave me the strength to say these words. I said, Dad, if I have to choose between you and Jesus, then I choose Jesus. If I have to choose between my earthly father and my heavenly father, then I choose my heavenly father. And my father disowned me, told me to get out of his face. I walk upstairs to my room, fall flat on my face, and just start weeping and just cry out to God, God, how could you let this happen? The Lord that night led me to a passage of Scripture in Matthew 10 where I read these words of Jesus that changed my life. Listen, Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I'll disown him. So do, do you say you're a Christian, but when you're out in the world, you keep denying Christ or maybe just not acknowledging him? then you're not really following Him. That's what that was saying to me. And then it goes on and says, Do not suppose I came to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, her, her mother. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that's what I understood what the call of Christ is. Listen. Lose your life, and you'll find it. And so my life, I'm not perfect. Every day I have to die. And that day I got on my knees. I said, Jesus, I trust you. I make you number one. I follow you. And so I want to be very clear what the call of Christ is. To not only believe in him, but to follow him. Okay? Men, that's the call. And that day I did that. And let me tell you, I followed God in uh, kicking and screaming many times. But God has given me uh, uh, everything I've needed. He gave me a roommate that came from the same background as me at Texas. He's given me a ministry. Uh, he's taken care of all my needs. And, and now he's even restored my relationship with my family. All right? So uh, that's, a, that's my story in a nutshell. So one guy came from a very irreligious, if you will, very uh, secular background. And then me, who came from a very religious one. But we both, we both had this incredible need, right? We both understood that, that there was something wrong in us. I'm going to skip this real quick. All right, before we read this, um, yeah, let, let me, let me, let's read this together. This is the story of Nicodemus, all right? Uh, this is on the second page, okay? And uh, he calls it Old St. Nick's story, whatever. All right, so here we go. Here's the story of Nicodemus, okay? Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to uh, him, that's Jesus, by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. Okay? Uh, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? See, here's a man, real quick, before we go on. Here's a man, Nicodemus, that was so entrenched in the religious way. And so for him, he, he's, Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's reached rabbi status. He's gone to all these levels. He's, he's passed. He's graduated, if you will. And now, uh, Jesus is pretty much tearing down that whole foundation and saying it has nothing to do with what you do. There has to be a spiritual birth that takes place unless you're born again. So this is, 
revolutionary to him. And let me tell you something. The hardest person, I believe, to reach is the very religious person. Not the person who's crazy and, and out in sin. The hardest person is the person who thinks he's all got it together. All right? And so then, let's keep going. Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, he's speaking of a spiritual birth, men. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from. And oh, I'm sorry, let me keep going. Where it comes from and where it is going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel that you do not understand these things? All right? Now, he, he, he speaks of it as being a mystery, like the wind blowing, right? It's a, mis- it's a mysterious thing. Flesh gives birth to flesh, all right? Uh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And so all of us, we've talked the last two weeks that at birth, in fact, if you remember the Psalms where David says, in conception I was born in sin. I mean, excuse me, I was conceived in sin in my mother's womb. So at birth we're saying uh, we have this sin nature, all right? At the rebirth, if you will, at the rebirth, we have uh, life. We have, a new, um, we have a new life and we have salvation, okay? Uh, l- let me really quickly hit something about the religion because it speaks to me and then we're going to fill in these blanks and you'll, you'll see where we're going. Um, the whole religious idea of Nicodemus makes a lot of sense to me. And again, I, may, I started to share this now. I said I'm going to go back to it and here it is. Remember I said there's two angels that record your good and evil deeds. The end of your life, Muslims believe that all your good and bad are weighed on a scale. Whichever one outweighs the other determines if you go to heaven or hell. And this is what I've always spoken to Muslims or anyone who is in a works-based system. Because that makes no sense because God never in his Bible says just be 51% good. Just be a little more good than bad and you'll be okay. Okay? God in the Bible is very clear that there is not one righteous, no, not one. The Bible says every man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? So religion will never save you because the Bible says every man has sinned. You see, God's standard is not 51% good. It's 100% sinlessness. He is a holy, righteous, sinless God. And He will not accept one ounce of sin in His presence. And so that's why the Bible is clear. We all, again, are under that same predicament. We all have fallen away from God. From one man, the Bible says, Adam, sin entered the world, and we're going to hear from one man, Jesus, life comes into the world. So the death comes into the world from the one man, and life comes through Jesus, okay? And so all of us have have that death. Now, before you think Muslims are crazy, again, I said to you, the very religious person, before you think Muslims are crazy, I run into people who sit in church every day, and I'll ask them, how do you know you'll be in heaven when you die? Oh, well, I've been a good person. I've never hurt anybody. You know, I went to church all my life. My parents are Christian, as if it passes down like genes, right? I, I read my Bible. You know, I got the WWJD bracelet. I got the fish in the back of my car. We start listing all the stuff on the outside that we do. You see it? It has nothing to do with what you do. So let's, let's look at these three things. The number, there are three ideas in that text that we read that I want us to highlight. The first one is born of the Spirit. 
born of the Spirit. And that's a supernatural rebirth. A supernatural rebirth must take place in you. All right? Fill that in. And I want you to read this verse with me. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Listen to this. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received Him, that's Jesus, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I want you to see what he's stressing here. He's saying who were born, it it's not, has nothing to do with blood, right? I mean, it has nothing to do, look at me here, gang, it has nothing to do with if you were a Jew, okay, just because you were born as a Jew, you're automatically saved, right? So Jesus is saying, it has nothing to do, that's what John is saying, Spirit's saying through John. It has nothing to do with the will of the flesh. It has nothing to do with how good you are if you try to do it, or will of man, you know, just if you grin and bear it and try your hardest. It has nothing to do with that, but it comes from God. See it? It's a spiritual birth that comes from God. And so, you hear this. You do not ooze into this change. You don't ooze into it just because you live in America, right? In the South. Again, Jesus says, unless a man is born again, and I believe very clearly, the Bible teaches that just as you have a physical birthday, everyone knows who, when their birthday is, that there is a spiritual birthday that must take place in your life. Maybe you don't know the exact day and hour, but folks, there's got to be a time when you understand you're a sinner and you receive Jesus. You receive what He's done. You call out to Him you understand He's a holy God, and He, Jesus, bridged this expanse between you and a holy God. You receive Him, and literally, guys, you enter into the family of God. Just like the Scripture says, you are now a child of God. He's your Father. Not like my Father, who might disown you, but a Father who says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You're guaranteed, at that point, you are born, you are regenerated, the theological word, you are born spiritually. You're born again. And you are born into the family of God. You can't lose that. Has that happened for you? And I've got to tell you also that the, a change happens on the inside. Uh, you, you're not made perfect, but you're, you're changed from the inside. I want to read real quickly. You probably know this text, but it's so important before we go on. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5 to you. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? Verse 14 through 15 before that says this, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, that's Jesus, then all die. See, there's a surrender that happens first. And He died for all that those who live, listen to this change, should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. And so I, I want to be very clear. It's not that you're perfect, but again, at that moment, there's a change that happens from the inside out. Every other religion, I think I've said this here, every other religion is something on the outside trying to work in, except for Christianity. Christianity is the only one where God demands a conversion, a change on the inside that works its way out. Okay? Uh, Ezekiel 36.26 says, I have given you a new heart and I have breathed my spirit into you. There's a new spiritual birth that must take place. So it's supernatural. Let's go to the second one. Um, there we go. Must. I want you to see must. 
It's an irreplaceable rebirth. Okay, a supernatural rebirth, first one. Second one, an irreplaceable rebirth. Okay, he says you must be. And so I want to be very clear on this one. There is no substitute. Again, we've said it. There's no other way. Jesus and, and being born again through Christ is not just an option, men. It's not just one of many ways. It, it is the only way to God. John chapter 14 uh, you probably know this text, but I want to read, um, I want to read it to you. So it's such a familiar text. John 14:6 says, "I am the way, the truth and the life." Jesus says this, "No one comes to the Father except through me." How many of you have heard that text before? Raise your hand. You've heard that sometime. Many of us have. Now listen, what is so critical about him saying, listen, I'm the way? Because the disciples just asked them, how, how, how are we going to know how to get to where you're going? How will we know the way? He says, I am the way. Now listen to how, why that's critical. He goes on and says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip asked him, show us the Father and it will be sufficient for us. Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Here's what he's saying. When he's saying, I am the way, the very next thing he talks about is, listen, when you look at me, you see, G you see the Father. He says in John 10:30, I and the Father are one. So th this is why it's so important. It's like if I was preaching in a big auditorium, okay? You're in the very back, the very end of the deal. You, don't, you can't really tell what I look like. Very end of the deal, you come over to me and you say, hey, can you show me where Afshin Ziafat is, right? That's what this is like. And I would say to you, uh, you're there, right? You're there. And so that's why it's important. Jesus is claiming to be God's way. God came in the form of a man. That's why there's only one way. God came. And he's saying, you're there. I am the way. If you go any other way, you're going to miss God because you're going to miss me. Does that make sense? Let me give you one more thing before we go to the third point. Philippians 2 is huge here. Because you might look at me, guys, some men may look at me. I'm, in a room this size, I'm not going to guess everyone's on board with me. You might even look at me right now and say this. What about those Muslims who are trying their best or those Hindus who are trying their best? You might even say, what about your parents, Afshin? Are you telling me that if they don't receive Christ and are born again, they're not going to go to heaven? And I'm telling you this. I'm not saying that today. But you better believe that this Word of God is definitely making that claim today. That there's only one way. Only one way. Acts says there's only one name given unto men by which we must be saved. And Philippians 2 is what I want to highlight. You don't even have to turn there. Just listen. In Philippians 2, the Bible says this, that Jesus being equal to God, meaning He is God, He's not just a human. I mean, He's not just a prophet. He emptied Himself, became a human, became obedient to the death of the cross. That's what he did for us. Okay? Therefore, God, the Father, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Listen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what that text is saying? Look at me here. That the Father so loves what his Son did for you and me that he's placed it as, at the very pinnacle. 
The only way for God to be pleased with us is through what Christ has done for us. And for you and me to come to God and say, I've never trusted in Jesus, I've never been born or changed because I've repented and turned to Jesus, but man, I've been a good person, I went to church, or I did this religion, for him to accept us on that basis would be for him to lower the work of his son. And he will never do that. He loves the son. He places him first. The Bible says, John 3, that the Father loves the Son and has given all authority to Him. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son does not have everlasting life, but the wrath of God remains upon Him. So, lastly, men, you have to. There's only one way. You will bow your knee to Jesus. The, and I'm not trying to be tough here, but this is the one point that's kind of tough. You will bow your knee to Jesus. The only question is, will you do it in faith in this lifetime? Or will you do it when it's too late and you're driven to your knees? But every man will, because it's God's way. So, it's a supernatural birth, it's an irreplaceable rebirth, and then lastly, it's a personal rebirth, okay? It's a personal rebirth. This is between you and God alone, okay? It's not because your parents, I think I may have mentioned this, the funniest thing I've ever heard is someone who says to me, Oh, Afshin, I was born a Christian. And I'm like, wow, what a miracle, you know? Right out of the womb, right? You were a Christian, right? And so we think that, it, that, that that's what it looks like. And again, I say to you, it doesn't happen when you're born physically. It's got to be a rebirth. And it's your decision. You say, how do I do it? You say, how do I do it? Eyes up here. It's this simple. I was kind of tough a little second ago. But I'm telling you, man, how, why would you not give your life to someone who loves you this much. He's saying, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Here's how you all have to do. All you have to do, Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, listen to this, you will be saved. Not maybe saved. Not if my good outweigh my bad saved. You will be saved. That's assurance. That's assurance. And so, last night, I am go to my parents' house. I'm going to tell you this, and then i got one last story, and we're going to pray, okay? Went to my parents' house, and uh, my mom, my stepmom, was reading the Quran, okay? And in the Quran, it talks about that God records our sins and will hold it against us on the day of judgment. It kind of reminded me of 1 Corinthians 13, by the way, that says, love records no record of wrongs keeps no record of wrongs, okay? But it says that uh, God does this. So I asked my mom, what are you going to do about your sin? And she goes, well, what do you mean? God records them and he's going to do something with them. I go, no, but what are you going to do about your sin? The fact that you got all this sin. And go, she said, well, I hope that I'll wipe it out by being good enough. And so I asked her, how good is good enough? And she said, I don't know. And she, she asked me, what do you think? So I had an amazing opportunity to present really what I just presented here with, it, with my parents. Say, listen, you can't be good enough for a holy God and that's why Christ made a way for you. Because of His love. The story of Jesus is a story of love. Okay? The Father came to mankind to show us the way. And so this is the last story, I promise, and we're going to pray. I'm a sports freak. You probably know this. And this is one of my favorite sports moments. Okay? It was the 
um, Olympics in 1992, okay? In 1988, anyone ever heard of Derek Redman, by chance? Okay. 1988, Derek Redman, a runner for England, all right, was got, in, got injured and wasn't able to, uh, had to pull out, he had an Achilles injury, had to pull out, uh, I think he was in the 800, maybe the 400, I think it was the 400, had to pull out of the race. Four years he trained to make it back to the Olympics. 1992, he makes it back to the Olympics. He's at the starting block, he's favored to, to at least medal, he's in the semifinal heat, halfway around the track, tragic thing happens. His hamstring just snaps, all right? And he falls flat on the, on the track, writhing in pain. Some of you probably remember this now. Writhing in pain, Derek Redman, so determined to try to finish that race, jumps up, all right, and starts trying to limp to the finish line. There's no way he's going to make it. I mean, he's just, I mean, he is in incredible pain. He's moving just a little bit. Guy in the stands that day stands up, walks down all the way, moves his, works his way past the security guards, comes onto the track. Who cares about disqualification at this point, right? And it was his father. His father walks up to Derek and goes right up to him and says, Son, we're going to go to the finish line together. And he grabs his son by the, by the arms. I think i got a picture of it here. Grabs his, grabs his son by the arms, uh, uh, under the shoulder, and he walks his son all the way to the finish line, stops, and allows his son to cross over. I'm going to tell you what. The entire Olympic Stadium, they didn't even know who finished the race. Every eye was fixed on what was happening here. And as they watched father and son work their way to the finish line, the entire Olympic Stadium rose to their feet, standing ovation. I'm not making this up. I remember watching this in 92. On my couch, I stood up, all right, standing ovation. I mean, it was a worldwide standing ovation for this event, okay? And here's the deal. This, this demonstrates the gospel better than I think anything else. You see, there is no way he could have made... The Bible says we've all fallen short of the finish line, the glory of God. And only because he had a relationship with that father... Okay? The father stepped out and came on and walked his son all the way to the finish line. I say this to you. If you trust in Jesus, the Bible says you are spiritually born and God is your father. And again I say, he will never forsake you and never leave you. And he'll walk you all the way to that finish line. I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes as we close. And here's what I'd like to do. I said this is a personal decision. I'm not going to carry this on too long. I know we've got to get to work, but this may be the greatest moment of some, someone, someone's life here, the greatest moment. If you're here and you've been going to this Bible study, I'm not going to call you out by name, have you come up here, but if you're sitting there today and you're saying, I'm not sure if this spiritual birth has ever happened in me, I'm not sure if I've ever been changed. And you might say, this is the first time I've heard the gospel, or you might say, I've been to church all my life. But maybe you're still in that same boat. I'm not sure if I've ever prayed a prayer, 
cried out to Jesus to save me, received Him, and was spiritually born. Jesus says, My sheep, they know me and they follow me. Do you follow Him or just know about Him? Jesus says, In the end times many will come and say, I I prophesied in your name, I performed miracles in your name. And He would say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And I don't say that to scare you, but to ask you, examine yourself. Do you know Jesus and does He know you as someone who's followed Him? And if you're there right now and you're saying, I'm not sure, I would love to lead you in a prayer right now. It's a simple prayer. It's not my words that are going to save you. Okay? It's not uh, jumping through hoops, you just trusting in Christ in faith. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now if that's you. If you're, if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need to be spiritually born, you pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you came to this earth for me. You lived this sinless life for me. And you died on the cross for me. And this morning, January 10th, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your work on the cross as payment for my sins. Today I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that God raised Him from the dead. Come into my life. Wash me of my sins. Change me from the inside out. And I will follow You. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Happy New Year. Y'all go. We got some questions. If you want some more food, it's back there. If you got to take off, I understand. Hey, thanks for having me these three weeks, okay? I I won't see you. I'll be sleeping tomorrow or next week, all right? Love you all, though. Thanks. Uh, Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say one thing. I'm sorry. If you prayed that prayer with me, I told you I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to. But if you prayed that prayer, it's a great step for you to make that known. Just to, it would be such a man thing to do to tell someone in your table, hey, I prayed that prayer. Because you know what? I'm telling you, it would be so sweet to see us gather around at your table and encourage you, okay? If you're saying, I'm not sure I want to do that, I'd love to talk to you. Or Eric in the back would love to tell, because here's the deal, we'd love to talk to you about how you can grow now in your faith, you know, and, and how, you, how if you want to ask me what I do in my walk, I'd love to share it with you, okay? All right, go to your question. Do you have something? All right, go to your questions.